Hello and welcome to another episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie, brought to you by Killer Podcasts and Evergreen Podcasts Network. I'm the titular Sean. And I'm the very titular Carrie. It's the show that takes you inside the unbelievable, the unexplainable, the macabre, and the bizarre and tries to find an answer. Hi, Caroline. Hi. Uh, from what I understand, I came in a little bit too, shall we say, chubby for this episode. What? Did, should I have come in a little bit more slender? Oh, uh, I guess it depends. On what? On how you want to celebrate uh, the figure that we are investigating today. Certainly a figure worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. I, you know, every July I get out there for Slender Man Day. I put on my generic black suit uh, mm -hmm. and my white mask. Mm -hmm. And I stab my friends. Well, don't do that. Yes, Slender Man, two words that most of our listeners have heard and recognize, at least um, those who are around millennial age or younger. I'm not going to put that on boomers to know. But Slender Man has become synonymous with the idea of a boogeyman, a creepy, tall, thin creature that stalks dreams and takes lives. He's almost become a cryptid of sorts, a frightening figure that we have to watch out for behind the corners and down the stairs in the dark we've uh, we've talked about this before but i feel like the 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 term cryptid is too broad because it doesn't just delineate between like um like bigfoot is like a species of things right that are out there presumably mm -hmm. Pre presumably yeah but a slender man is is just a just one weird entity I guess it depends on what mythology you subscribe to, Sean. Like Satan or the Boogeyman. So he's he's like not a similar thing to to Bigfoot or um and then like Nessie is just a one a one off. Although yeah. maybe with the implication that there's more sea dragons out there. Mhm. Mm um anyway, it's just interesting. Interesting broad <laughs> term, but there's not like a whole species. No one's saying there's a whole species of these besuited um i'm sure men. that some say that but it's usually man singular uh, and he's become a very popular legend but he al wasn't always in the legend lexicon in fact he's not even from popular mythology at all but rather something much stranger something awful forums yes an internet message board so this week, we're going to be going into the bizarre history of the internet meme turned possible real-life menace, the Slender Man. And then next week, we'll cover a true crime case that brought this creepypasta horror into the real world with terrible consequences. I find the real-life menace portion fascinating. That's, that's what I can't wait to get into. Mm -hmm. But first... Let's talk internet culture in 2009. Oh, it was such a wonderful place to be. Well, I, I think it might be a frightening prospect to go back there, but let's, let's take a little trip. I think it... I don't want to go out on a limb. The internet might be a lot more toxic now than it was then. I do agree. Yes. As I recall in 2009, it was a lot of Facebook, fail videos, cat memes, and AIM was still around. AOL Instant Messenger. Well, three of those things are still happening pretty strong. <laughs> a big part of any young person's internet life at this time was, for most anyway, surfing around article, aggregator, and message board sites like Cracked, Dig, Reddit, and of course, Something Awful. At this time, I wasn't a Something Awful reader or participant, I guess, uh, I was really hanging around Cracked and the heyday of the AV Club at this point. I don't think there were a lot of 
I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I, I think it was a pretty male forum over there. Yes. That's something awful. Yes. But once I got onto Tumblr around 2011, I learned all about Slenderman, thanks to my running a fairly popular spooky theme blog at the time. Give yourself a plug. Give old Carrie a plug. No, you'll have to find that yourself. Uh, and this was because of Tumblr's involvement with spreading the Slenderman story. You can still find the original Slenderman post on the Something Awful forums. It's a bit of a historical artifact now. It came under a call to action by user, and I mean, this is just mishmash, Jero Jerry GGG. Yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> oh, you don't know Jero Jerry? And this was on June 8th, 2009. And it requested other forum members to post their best created paranormal pictures. Basically a Photoshop contest with a spooky twist. Yeah, and the um, Slenderman entry from this contest is one of the best Slenderman images I've ever seen still for like creepy factor. This is the one with the school kids, right? Mm-hmm, we'll get there. Now the original request read, quote, creating paranormal images. Creating paranormal images has been a hobby of mine for quite some time. Occasionally, I stumble upon odd websites showcasing strange photos, and I always wondered if it were possible to get one of my own chops. I think that was like a Photoshop oh, okay. term in a book, documentary, or website just by casually leaking it onto the web. Sure, one of my chops. He chopped <laughs> up the photo. Yeah. Whether they'd be su supplements to bogus stories or not. So let's make a shitload. There were tons of replies to this original post, including photoshopped pictures with people adding ghosts, orbs, and flying saucers to existing images. It was all a lot of fun. Orb is easy mode, though. I mean, yeah. you know. And a few pages into this uh, message board post, a user named Victor Surge got in on the action. Oh, the, is he a lieutenant? Because I might have fought him in Pokemon. <laughs> I don't know where he got the name, but he posted two photos, which are no longer hosted on the original forum, but you can find them elsewhere. The first is a black and white photo of a group of young, teenish looking people walking toward the camera with a strange faceless figure just barely visible behind them. Yeah, and it's like clearly taller than a person should be. Mm -hmm. Below the photo in Victor's post was this quote. We didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But its persistent silence and outstretched arms horrified and comforted us at the same time. 1983, photographer unknown, presumed dead. The second photo is a black and white of a little girl on the ladder steps to the top of a tall slide, and she's smiling at the camera. And there are a few other kids playing around her in what appears to be a park or playground. In the shadow of a tree in the far background, a strange, tall, faceless figure with odd, tentacle-looking limbs stands, eerily, with a few children standing near him. The photo bears a seal at the top right reading, City of Sterling Library's Local Studies Collection. Accompanying the photo was this backstory. One of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformities cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confisca confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13, 1986. These two web forum posts. It was just one post with the, with with the two, two pictures. pictures. Yeah, These two pictures... 
this post is art. Yeah. Full stop. I think it's so good. It's so scary. It implies such a fully realized story. In it, o- it's in very reminiscent sentences. of it to me, like the, the yes. missing children angle and all of that. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't need more than those short little sentences there. It really kind of encapsulates the whole vibe of the story. Sort of a baby shoes for sale worn once yes. scenario. There were a few more posts after that by other participating users, but eventually people started reacting to Surge's post specifically with responses like, oh, gently caress you. And I think the site um, replaced swears with other words. So I think it's oh, like, yeah. oh, fuck you. When I saw the guy in the background, I lost it. This is going to give me nightmares. And another uh, reaction was, as an amateur paranormal investigator, you'd be surprised how much the Slender Man appeared in pictures in times of disaster during that historical period. Oh, and so this is someone who's just riffing? Yes. That's hilarious. Another response, you are an amazing and terrible bastard, sir. Well played. Now to look over my shoulder every couple seconds for the rest of my day. Serge eventually responded, Maybe I'll do some more research. I've heard there may be a couple more legit Slender Man photographs out there. I'll post them if I find them. So this goes along with the general vibe of many of the participants who knew the photos were fakes, but played along as if they were real. This is similar to subreddits like r slash no sleep, where people post fictional stories, but both the posters and commenters act like they're real. It's kind of an additional role play element. Yeah, it's like an ARG. Yes. On June 11th, Serge posted more of the Slender Man story under a photoshopped picture of someone taking a flash photo in a mirror with a tall, pale, tentacle-limbed being showing up in the reflection. The post read, 5-24-95, the date. 1994, Wilkes Estate. One subject reported nothing out of the ordinary before taking photograph. Lower stairs area was said to be very dark. Subject states that after the camera flash, she heard a sound like a watermelon being unable to understand subject. So this is like um, like notes from a file. Such a good believability addition to yeah. go un, you know, unintelligible. Mm-hmm. 52593. Subject unable to recall events after manner power failure. Unable to question other two identified subjects. Camera and film acquired from Gloria Creedy, current resident of Woodview, Woodview Mental Hospital and Psychological Rehabilitation Clinic. Film mostly uncontaminated despite massive blood and human tissue present on camera. No positive ID on anom- anomalous tall and slender subject. Facial blur caused by possible contamination. Now, he's too on the nose. We, we get into territory where if you explain it too much, you know what I mean? I liked just the implication. But this is good writing. Why, why aren't these guys being hired to direct Hollywood screenplays? Why did we watch um, Evil Bong versus the Ginger <laughs> Dead Man the other day? Where's these guys' indie budget? Well, that was, we watched that because it, it looked bad. Um, but but that, wasn't the re- that wasn't the end of the post. Um, we have 6793. Early digital analysis indicates tall subject may have no eyes. Anomalies previously thought to be film errors and flash artifacts now thought to be appendages. 61093. Final identified subject reported missing along with other 33 patients and staff of Woodview Mental Hospital and Psychological Rehabilitation Clinic South Wing. 61893. 
Further inquiry to cease immediately. See report number 3339-2. And of course, we never get to see report 3339-2. No. So as you said, Serge was obviously gifted at storytelling and framed these stories of his mysterious figure as fragments of files and notes to add credibility to them. The story went on in a later post. Both subjects were hunting in the Steinman woods four hours before sundown. Surviving subject states that while hunting, both men grew uneasy as fog levels rapidly increased. A constant murmuring sound accompanied by a low hum eventually became apparent to the two men an hour after the fog increased. An object falling out of a tree struck one of the men in the left shoulder, causing him to discharge his weapon. Object said to be the body of a man of unknown age. It was very precisely dissected with major internal organs still contained within the ribcage in what looked to be clear bags. Surviving subject placed organ bag within backpack. Attack followed several minutes later after a low children's laugh like a giggle. Surviving subject ran until he reached his vehicle. Subject then drove to assumed safety. Backpack destroyed. Surviving subject is classified as a B7 witness. B7 witness to be placed in quarantined blind box until resolution. Um, again, I, I, don't, I think if you give us too much information, I think it's starting to become diminishing returns. But what is the thing about the, the corpse full of organ bags? Well, that's like another fun little thing. Like, what does that mean? It reminds me of... Like, the- had it been stitched back up with the organ bags and like it was cut open, the organs taken out, bagged up, and then put back? Yeah. And then was the chest cavity still open because this subject, the <laughs> witness, put one of the organ bags in his backpack? Yeah, I to, don't know. To what end and how? <laughs> I don't know. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's giving us just enough story to titillate me. Here. I think so. And this is very much like a, a really successful creepypasta. And I think most of our listeners probably have heard of that. But creepypastas are... Based on email copy pastas, which were those stories that would go around in the AOL days of like, send this on to five people or else you'll be cursed or whatever. Right. It comes from a typo or a mutation of copy paste in case yes. that wasn't obvious. The creepy pastas are creepy stories that, again, are kind of you play along in the belief that they're real. And, um, and it really reminds me of the SCP project, which is like a series of files that people across the world have contributed to. And they're about like all these different monsters and it's very cool, but it's a similar vibe. I think it might've come after this. I'm not sure. But soon after these. SCP was the movie with Matthew Lillard about punk rock. No, it's SLC punk. Ah, yes. Salt Lake city. Yes, 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 yes. Now, soon after these initial posts, uh, the popularity of Serge's character exploded with comments noting, wow, the Slender Man seems to be the star of this thread. Slender Man would make a pretty nice horror novel. Stuff like that. Uh, Novel is wasting your potential unless you have a lot of photos involved. But the the creepy imagery of this guy is is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Serge eventually describes some of his process in inventing the character, saying... What essentially inspired me was stuff like the rake, since that pretty much terrified me. Having an unearthly creature, such as a skinwalker or something, stalking you has always been much scarier than ghosts, in my opinion. Now, obviously, you've seen the rake, right? Well, he's referencing here the creepypasta story, The Rake, which, according to the creepypasta wiki, originated on 4chan's uh, slash b slash board in late 2005. 
A thread was started by an anonymous user who stated, hey, slash B slash, let's make a new monster. Uh, And it's a very similar beginning. And naturally, there were many ideas, but one stood out. And another user, user created a new thread based on this idea. The thread started with this post. All right, this is for the people who like the three eyes, no apparent mouth, pale skin one. Here's what we've got so far. Humanoid, about six feet tall when standing, but usually crouches and walks on all fours. It has very pale skin. The face is blank, as in no nose, no mouth. However, it has three solid green eyes, one in the middle of its forehead and the other two on either side of its head, usually towards the back. Usually seen in front yards in suburban areas, just watches the observer, but will stand up and attack if approached. When it attacks, a mouth opens up as if a hinged skull that opens at the chin reveals many tiny but dull teeth. And there's a video that I um, enjoy on YouTube called The Rake Convincing Footage, question mark, which is where I first heard of The Rake. Mm-hmm. And these things spread like that, right? Um, it's basically the same origin as Slenderman. You have a forum contest being the starting point, And then it kind of leaks into the rest of the internet. But it has like a long witchy nose. Ah! But that could just be a skinny guy sitting in the woods, mm-hmm. nude. Serge, who would eventually be revealed to be named Eric Knudsen, would later share that other inspirations included Stephen King's The Mist, reports of Shadow People and the Mothman, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon, which you may remember from our Hysterias episode. Yes. The Tall Man from Phantasm, the work of H.P. Lovecraft, and survival horror video games like Silent Hill and Resident Evil. The tall man from Phantoms, Ben Affleck? Phantasm. Ah, that makes more sense. Speaking with Vanity Fair, Knudsen stated that he wanted to formulate something whose motivations can barely be comprehended and which caused unease and terror in a general population. Those on the original Something Awful thread seized on Slender Man and started creating their own images and stories, including the character, and posting them back into the same thread. A user named Tree Punk as Hell followed up with this tale. What do you think Tree Punk is? You're, you're spiking your hair up with uh, <laughs> with acorns and twigs, and you're Maple wearing syrup. leaves. I don't know. Maybe maybe just like a really you know like green activist punk. Uh, yeah, safety pins all over your green tunic. <laughs> so they posted this story. I've been following the signs for some, for quite some time. There are woodcuts dated back to the 16th century in Germany featuring a tall, disfigured man with only white spheres where his eyes should be. They called him Der Grobmann, the tall man. He was a fairy who lived in the Black Forest. Bad children who crept into the woods at night would be chased by the slender man, and he wouldn't leave them alone until he caught them, or the child told the parents what he or she had done. Even then, there is this chilling account from an old journal dating around 1702. Translated from German, some words may be inaccurate. My child, my Lars, he is gone, taken from his bed. The only thing that we found was a scrap of black clothing. It feels like cotton, but is softer, thicker. Lars came into my bedroom yesterday, screaming at the top of his lungs that the angel is outside. I asked him what he was talking about, and he told me some nonsense fairy story about Der Grobman. 
He says he went into the groves by our village and found one of my cows dead hanging from a tree. I thought nothing of it at first, but now he is gone. We must find Lars, and my family must leave before we are killed. I am sorry, my son. I should have listened. May God forgive me. The tall man. Jeez. Yeah. And it turns out it was just Tony Kukoc. <laughs> and then the post ends, There is more evidence of the Slender Man, but this is one of the oldest translatable accounts. Anyone else in the thread found anything like this? And people posted pictures that seemed to include the Slender Man as like a woodcut. Like, you know, from, from olden days. I've seen those too. Those are amazing. Yeah. So again, we have the continuation of the role play element of pretending the character is real, while those in the thread obviously know that he was just created on the forum itself. Others responded with full knowledge that the creation was fictional, com commenting things like, I love this type of thing. Something just feels satisfying about causing mass hysteria. I think we could roll with the Slender Man thing. Maybe if we make enough images, and maybe if some talents can make fake videos, it could grow to ARG proportions, minus the advertising. The original post went on with 40 more pages of responses, only ending around February of 2010, with more references to Slenderman being made even on the very last page. So in that whole several year period, it just stayed at the front um, of... It was like a year, no... Eight months. Okay, so in that whole eight-month period, it stayed right at the top of something awful and people just yeah. kept posting. Yeah. Knudsen later said, I was just impressed that the people on the thread itself thought it was cool and interesting and never really expected it to go out of the thread. But out of the thread, it went. Soon after the Slender Man's first appearance on Something Awful, the story spread to other parts of internet culture. He was mentioned on the slash x slash paranormal 4chan board on June 24th, 2009, or pro possibly prior, and included hand-drawn illustrations and fan art with this mention. Well, that's okay, because if there's anything we can count on 4chan, it's not to take things too far. <laughs> Other sites began posting about the creature as well, including Fangoria, TV Tropes, Deviant Art, and Mythical Creatures Guide. As evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins stated, people are captivated by Slenderman and wish to pass on images or to modify images of him. And one of the biggest ways the story began to spread was on YouTube, specifically with the videos of user Marble Hornets. On June 20th, 2009, so this is very soon after the first post, Marble Hornets began posting videos called Entries, which claimed to be videos retrieved by someone named Jay, containing footage of a friend that had since disappeared. Yeah, I got into Marble Hornets in like Me 2012. Too. So good. Yeah. The friend, Alex, had been working on a student film called Marble Hornets when, after three months of production, he abruptly ended the project, left the raw footage with Jay, and transferred schools, cutting all contact. This web series is the story of Jay watching the footage and trying to figure out what happened to his friend, slowly realizing that a humanoid figure keeps popping up in the background, apparently stalking Alex. Yeah, but if you present it as a web series, it's not interesting. Like it, was, it was presented as in kind of Blair Witch style yes. of this is real. And I think a lot of people believed it was real. That didn't necessarily have the background in the Slender Man mythos. Yeah, when I was combing through it, it was very much a like... You were in the know or you weren't, yeah. and people were frightened by it, yeah. 
The Marble Hornets account and found footage style videos were created by Something Awful users Joseph DeLage and C. Gars, who had seen the original Slenderman post and dreamed up an alternate reality game centered around the burgeoning myth that they would create via YouTube. With the increasing popularity of the videos, the Slenderman story spread even further than just niche internet sites. I even remember some of my friends on Facebook posting about it and being fans. Yeah, and if anybody's not familiar with ARGs, I think we've talked about them before on this podcast. Yeah, we have. I think mostly in news segments, so maybe maybe talk about it a little bit. Um, well, the most famous one is Pokemon Go. Um, so that's a kind of an ARG. And they're basically any game that takes a role-play concept to um, a sort of extremes and makes the real world sort of part of your play space. Brings the whole world into... Um, the game, not that everyone's playing, but, you know, um, with Pokemon Go, you're walking around being a Pokemon trainer and having battles and catching Pokemon um, that are out there in the world, even though they're not. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's an ARG. Right. And this is the idea of, like, role-playing the idea of this monster being out there. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting when the idea spreads far enough that you can run into strangers on the internet who are also role-playing the idea that this monster's real. Exactly. Five months after his creation on Something Awful, Coast to Coast AM began receiving calls about Slenderman from those who seemed to believe the legend was real. Have you ever heard of the Slenderman? The Slenderman? Yes. No, I have not. Um, he, he's very thin, and he wears a black suit. He has very long limbs. Hold on. This guy's giving none of the important context <laughs> of Slenderman. Not even like, he, he didn't even start, let's say he believes in Slenderman, right? He didn't start with like, it's a monster. Yeah, he just goes, he's a thin man. <laughs> he's slender. He's long arms. His arms stretch. But he looks human. He, he, humanoid, I'd say. Is he evil? Uh, I'm not sure. He's known as wanting to kidnap children, and I found this information on the internet. He is known for wanting to kidnap children. I'm not sure if he's evil. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> but I, uh, God bless George Norrie, who uh, just rolls right with that, doesn't he? He oh, yeah? sure does. He sure does. Uh, in 2012 and 2013, Slenderman indie video games began coming out, most popularly Slender, The Eight Pages. Yes. And Slender, The Arrival, the latter of which was produced by Slenderman's creator, Eric Knudsen. Slender, The Eight Pages was uh, real freaky. That was mm-hmm. like, super. Did you ever play that? No, but I've seen clips of it. Uh, audience, just picture like the like very low res 3D graphics mm-hmm. as you walk. It was like a first person shooter, but you had no gun. You only walked around a woods in the dark, right? In the dark, coming across. You know, there were a couple little landmarks, like there was a pickup truck in the woods, and there was a cabin uh, that you could find. Um, but as you're walking around, you were just looking to collect eight pages, the titular eight pages. Didn't Conan O'Brien play this on his show they when did he was a, doing a video segment? Yeah, and he's and he, like jumping and screaming. No, he said he said it was very boring and also that it was um, offensive to sl- skinny people like himself. <laughs> well, he's yeah. like, why should I be afraid of this man just because he <laughs> keeps in shape? Well, he has no face. <laughs> um, so you wander around looking for pages, and then ultimately you see the Slender Man, and uh, the screen goes crackly, and you die. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound terribly exciting. At the time, it was pretty novel and terrifying. Mm-hmm. So it all seems like spooky fun, right? 
Well, it is all spooky fun. Perhaps. But would this fictional character's exploding popularity soon bring him out of the internet and into the real world to cause devastating havoc? Are you asking me? We'll explore some theories after the break. Can't wait. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. Uh, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. Turn around. Go home. Welcome back. When last we left you, we had just heard about the origins and, I don't know, theory? A little of the theory. The early internet life of the uh, mysterious creature... The fit and trim demon known as Slenderman. Um, he is often seen in the background of photos of children, um, apparently kidnapping them or urging them to start fires of some kind. Lurking. And he is also a totally fictional creation of an internet uh, web forum that you can still go and see the original post where he was conceived. Mm-hmm. So that said, Carrie, how has... How does that happen, right? How does something that you can actually go right now and still find the original sourcing become something people are genuinely afraid of? Well, in analyzing some of the factors in Slenderman's massive popularity, we can boil down a few things. First being, why did so many people find this simple concept so terrifying? It is... The original post is a masterwork. I mm-hmm. think it comes down, if that original post was a bad Photoshop or if it didn't have the backup stories, storylets, you know, mm-hmm. tiny stories. Um, yeah, I don't think this thing goes where it where it went. But because that picture has both pictures of children in them mm-hmm. and the design of the creature is just so good. Yeah. Acqu- according to Jeff Tolbert, a folklorist from Indiana University, quote, Slenderman is a distillation of the most frightening images and trends present in contemporary popular culture, primarily, if not exclusively, those of the horror genre and supernatural folklore. A potent symbol, Slenderman serves as a flexible rhetorical tool used variously to critique popular trends, instill fear in its audiences, and as a self-referential in-joke whose significance is only intelligible to those already familiar with the phenomenon itself. Thus, the figure of the Slenderman indexes at least two separate intellectual strands, two distinct but related conceptual frameworks. First, Slenderman is a sign of abject fear, the ultimate other, the final evolution of radical alterity. Second, Slenderman 
Second, Slenderman subtly references the self-conscious communicative processes that gave rise to the tradition itself and are, in fact, the reason for its continued existence as an internet icon. Well, I'm glad he hit his word count. Jeez. <laughs> well, this was an academic paper, so. Yeah, I know. And he clearly was trying to hit a 20. <laughs> uh, okay, so number one, it's a combination of several horror movie elements that we're naturally visually afraid of. and As well as folklore. And number two, it uh, somehow specifically in itself references the... Uh, the uh, concept of fear, basically, of otherness. Gotcha. I don't know if I buy his conclusion that that is a, you know, even a coded or an unintentional reference to its creation on a web form. Well, I think that it's just about how fast it spread is because it became sort of an, an in, not an in joke, but you had to, you had to know about it to appreciate it. And as it spread, more and more people knew about it and they became part of the story, part of the role play. But is that visually re- is that somehow visually represented in the Slenderman? No, not saying? necessarily visually, but it's part of the reason why it became so popular. Slenderman combined inherent instinctual fears present in many humans, like unnatural height and thinness. You know more than you think could naturally occur. I, I think uh, sharp-eared loyal listeners will already know that Caroline <laughs> hates a long skinny. I do. And an expressionless face, especially especially that we cannot divine emotion from. That's always a, a big problem instinctually with humans. Humans see faces even where there aren't faces. We see faces in the moon, in the clouds, and in wood grain. So when there's not a face, when there should be a face, that's scary to us. Because we find faces comforting. We're social animals. Mm-hmm. So it combines these sort of instinctual fears with the very modern concept of shared experience through internet memes, which is something that most of us are familiar with now. Even much older people, they love sharing minion memes on Facebook. So it's become something that is all-encompassing in this world. When memes are only memes through sharing, right? They're Mm -hmm. only memes when they mutate through um, um, transfer from person to person. With Slenderman, we were, and probably still are, experiencing mythology being created on the spot, not unlike those in ancient Greece may have been when they were learning about new gods and monsters right as they entered the cultural canon. As Tolbert continued in his paper, which is called The Case of the Slenderman, Slenderman offers critical commentary on the legend genre by enabling individuals to participate in the creation of a legend through reverse ostention. And I didn't really know what ostension is, but in this case, it kind of involves the intrusion of narrative into reality, which is sort of the idea uh, that we're talking about now. Something tells me the, like, Greek gods, you know, I, I think those legends took a lot longer than a couple of years to form. Do you know what I mean? It was Right, like a but very like the Odyssey process. was published at a certain point. And... Yeah, but after hundreds of years of oral tradition. Anyway, it's just, it's just a simile. But it's, I just want to, it's not like in ancient Greece, somebody woke up and then somebody was like, hey, did you know there's hippogriffs? And they were like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I just invented them yesterday, but they're real now. That, that's not, I, I don't think that that's how it worked. Well, circling back to my question just before the break, was the creation of this character among vast internet sources enough to generate true belief in its reality and thus bring the character from fiction to the real world? Now, it sounds very new agey, but there is folkloric basis for this question in the guise of the tulpa. 
Tulpa is a concept in theosophy, which is like a whole other thing. Madame Blavatsky. Yeah, well, she's got her, her own issues. And uh, it's a concept in mysticism where an object or being can be created through mental or spiritual powers. Basically, if you believe in it hard enough, it can come true. There is a bit of contemporary uh, basis in this. If you think of concepts like the secret, where you are told to envision an outcome or event and putting that energy out into the universe, so to speak. Isn't that what kind of left-hand path magic is, too? Kind of, yeah. And the idea of envisioning it as hard as you can will lend spiritual energy to that outcome becoming true. It's kind of, it's like making a vision board on Pinterest, you know? Oh, I want a house someday. What do I want it to be like? And then you're just kind of putting that energy out into the universe. If you believe in karma or energy or whatever, it can be powerful to you. I can see why it's an attractive concept. Right. Is it real? I don't know. I've never been very good at that sort of thing. Even like when people say think positive, I just, I can't, like, you can't just tell me, like, I can't change my mind about some stuff. I think if you organize your thoughts in a positive, if you can manage to organize your thoughts in a positive way and go like, I'm going to achieve this thing. I think it will help your actions to organize in a way that achieves the thing. Right. Energy does affect energy, to be sure, but who's to say if envisioning getting rich or meeting a mate makes it more likely to happen? Like you said, Sean, perhaps it's kind of a placebo effect sort of thing, where if you're putting the energy toward envisioning it, you're more likely doing other things in your life to help make them happen, too. And that's the secret. (laughs) But anyway, tulpas... So most popularly, they're depicted as a type of willed imaginary friend, which practitioners called tulpamancers consider to be sentient and relatively independent. I'm going to guess this is out on a limb here. Tulpamancer is a modern (laughs) term. Most of this is fairly modern. So some of the first discussion of tulpas comes from theosophist Annie Besant's 1901 book Thought Forms, where she categorizes tulpas into three classes. Forms in the shape of the person who creates them, forms that resemble objects or people and may become ensouled by nature spirits or by the dead, and forms that represent inherent qualities from the astral or mental planes, such as emotions. Okay, so in order to believe in her concept of a conscious tulpa, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe an object tulpa or whatever, something that resembles a... But for a tulpa to have a will of its own, it has to have a wood nymph enter it as a soul? <laughs> well, that's one of the options. The most recently, it was a very popular thing for presumably lonely people in the My Little Pony fandom to create tulpas of their favorite pony friends. I find It's basically it, imaginary friends, but you really believe they're there. I find it hard to believe that anybody involved in the My Little Pony franchise is lonely. The most popular version of a tulpa is in the guise guise of another being literally being willed to life and then possibly eventually gaining sentience. So kind of your imaginary friend becomes a ghost in a way. You know, the My Little Pony's show is called (laughs) Friendship is Magic. It was just... Let's not talk about My Little Pony. It was just that for these guys, magic is also friendship. Anyway, continue. (laughs) Could those who lent mythology to Slenderman and those who began to believe in the myth without knowing the internet-based backstory have unintentionally willed him to life, becoming a tulpa with energy of its own? 
Some, including Slenderman's biggest fans, so to speak, believe so. According to the Slenderman Wiki, which is a thing, Slender Nation, one of the most expansive internet communities based on the character, popularly believes in what they call the Tulpa Effect, which is what we've been discuss- discussing, basically. It's belief that the Slender Man has been created as a Tulpa with serious real-life repercussions. Just like my pony girlfriend. <laughs> so what are those serious real-life repercussions? It seems that the concept of Slenderman has resonated particularly deeply among teenagers who often frequent sites like Creepypasta and forums and historically have always enjoyed sharing spooky stories and urban legends for decades and decades. Much like with the randonauting craze of early TikTok, teens have always enjoyed what Jeff Tolbert refers to as legend tripping. What is randonauting? Uh, randonaut. Do you remember that story of the teens who they basically were told in an app to go to a certain GPS coordinate and they found a dead body. Yes. That's, that was randonauting. That was the randonautica app. So it's basically you're kind of going to see what you'll find stumbling into a spooky story. Now this is what Jeff Tolbert says about legend tripping. Perhaps the form of abstention most studied by folklorists has been the process of legend tripping, the self-conscious appropriation and enactment of existing legend texts. Legend tripping is well represented in contemporary internet culture, and the Slenderman mythos is no exception. However, rather than taking an existing legend text and acting it out through legend tripping... The countless individuals who have contributed to the Slenderman mythos have taken a wide array of disparate raw materials, often created from scratch and usually of a purportedly experiential nature, like stories of encounters with supernatural beings, and combined them to form a new narrative tradition that resembles the existing familiar legend genre. So you're contributing to the expansion of this legend by making art and telling the stories to people. And it's also like hearing an urban legend from your town, you know, like, oh, at the Lover's Lane, these, you know, two teenagers were murdered in the 50s by a guy with a hook for a hand. And you go to that location to kind of spook yourselves out. It's a very common teenage thing to do. Yeah, and the backstory, it's all so tropey, right? Like the having old woodcuts of the, mm-hmm. and there's a German name for him. And the story <laughs> was that he would come to take naughty children. It's like, we've talked about a lot of folklore on this podcast that's like that. Yeah. You know? So it's basically like an urban legend, only this time it's a legend that has a definitive beginning rather than one that you think could be real because it has such murky origins that you don't know if it's true or not. Right. This is like... Um, I find it harder harder to believe with Scientology than with other religions that people actually swallow the whole thing because it was invented so yes, recently in our but past. But some people do. And young people especially tend to lump Slenderman in with other legendary characters like the hook-handed killer, even though Slenderman's origins are clearly from the internet and the hook-handed killer trope has been around so long that we can't pinpoint that he's fake, you know? He could be real because we don't know the origin. Right. And that probably wasn't a conscious creation of one person either. That was probably a legend that came out of um, many different kind of little stories. And there are variations of this. And if you want to learn more about that, definitely watch the documentary Killer Legends, which sort of goes into the background of a lot of these. And um, listen to our episode, The Real Candyman, because we talk about how a real murder 
informed the legend of the poisoned or razor blade apples and, and Halloween treats. Right, even though that's never happened. Right. So they do come from somewhere, but some of these things have been around for so long that it's hard to find that place. He looks like the men in black, too. Yes. Just, that's another, obviously, uh, pretty big, tropey sci-fi um, legends and lore type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has that black suit. You know, he doesn't have a face, but... Um, and the men in black are described as being very pale and very strange looking like humanoid, but their faces aren't quite right. And they talk <laughs> like this. Mm-hmm. Hello, ma'am. Good morning, evening. Okay, let's save it for the Men in Black episode. I can't listen to much more of that. I can't wait. And that's, as you know, (laughs) another connection to the Mothman. And it's also a connection to our hometown because that's where the original Men in Black mythology existed uh, at first was Bridgeport. So we're going to go into that. But first, Slenderman. As digital folklorist Trevor J. Blank noted in the HBO documentary Beware the Slender Man. Digital folklorist is a uh, a vanishingly small field. He's a PhD, so he knows what he's talking about. Slender Man is the modern day boogeyman. Because it's faceless, because it's quiet, because it doesn't speak words, it's open to a lot of interpretation and open to a lot of possibilities, a lot of projection. It varies from person to person what Slender Man actually is. He's the creature that lives in my closet. He's the guy in the windowless white van. The faceless stranger who kidnaps kids. It encapsulates symbolically a lot of these other kind of societal fears that we've had for ages and ages. And kind of conveniently wraps them up and makes them really malleable. Because really, Slender Man can be whoever you want him to be. So in this sense, by making the unthinkable into a straight up monster... Maybe we, and especially young folks who have to deal with the fears of strangers a lot more than adults do, make these fears a little easier to digest and a little less close to home. It's reminiscent of the clown panic that began in the 80s and has continued periodically to this day. And you could see our hysteria episode for that as well. Slender Man, uh, visually, with the tentacles and the no face, he's obviously horrific obviously monstrous and so we can attempt to avoid him much easier than these secret real life monsters we may encounter any day of the week you know the seemingly nice guy in a van or a predatory preacher or a family member with dark intentions it's much easier to avoid a clear monster than your friend's dad who's a creep unfortunately yeah, and I think that at least the, in the in the initial post, he's also he seems to me to be implied to be leading children astray to to like do horrible things, mm-hmm. not just like taking them and eating them or something. Right. He, that his first motives one, are unclear. But in that first one, it sounds like the kids probably murdered that photographer. <laughs> and who knows? Um, but um, and, and that's scary inherently as well, right? Because kids are obviously the innocent. Yes. And so the idea and of a them, scary kid is always scary. Scary kid is scary. <laughs> But for kids especially, it can be easier to believe in Slender Man for some because real-life monstrosity is so difficult to handle. Literary critic Jack Zipes elaborated on this idea, stating, Unconsciously, Slender Man stems from a tradition that goes way, way back. To a great extent, the Brothers Grimm collected tales that deal with what I would call universal human struggles that we continue to have to this day. I think it's one of the reasons why people are responding to this tale and telling their own versions, their own horror stories about what is happening in the world today. 
And back in this time period with the Brothers Grimm, you had the Pied Piper and he led children and, and they died and all that stuff. And even Knudsen agrees with this concept, staying, saying, you can ascribe to him whatever trope or whatever you find frightening. And I think that is part of his appeal. Now, were the Grimm's, my impression was that the Grimm's were collecting a lot of folklore that had kind of been around. Yeah. And uh, as part of this idea of like creating a pan-German kind of uh, culture. Mm-hmm. So well, they were just making sure that it got written down, basically. Yes. But these these different stories kind of existed and they chose their own versions to share. So the the modern folklore would really be urban. The, the urban legends are kind of our modern folklore. Oh, they, yeah. They do speak to our fears. And now we're, we're developing more digital folklore, which is why we have digital folklorists, because so, so many legends are now spreading through memes. And it's not just spooky things. It's legends having, I mean, that's why Snopes exists. It's legends having to do with Richard Gere putting a gerbil up his butt or, you know, it becomes like cultural canon in yeah, a way. The Rod Serling uh, stomach pump. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. Don't don't put that evil on Rod Serling. No, never. Ithaca <laughs> College grad. We love you, Rod. <laughs> but what makes Slenderman truly dangerous, whether or not you believe in the concept of tulpas? Well, it seems that it doesn't actually matter whether you believe in it, but rather whether anyone does. Because those people, especially impressionable youth, are more likely to act on that belief. And they have. As Blank told the HBO documentarians, Often as adults, we forget how much it sucked to be a kid. Slenderman can also be seen as a guardian angel, the grim reaper with a heart. Stories like this can be a powerful aphrodisiac for somebody who is lonely or is troubled or is trying to find their way in the world. Slenderman has this entire community of people online who are feeding into the narrative and creating their own versions of it. So some have found that community and that narrative dangerously attractive. And next week, we'll discuss the case popularly called the Slenderman Stabbing, which propelled the character of Slenderman from the bounds of the internet into what can practically be called common knowledge. In May 2014, two 12-year-old Wisconsin girls stabbed their friend in the woods, intending to kill her, all to appease what they believed to be the real Slenderman and to prove themselves worthy to him. Well, uh, that's actually a bit of a relief. I thought you were going to say we were going to read a bunch of smutty uh, <laughs> uh, fan fiction. Well, that's another thing. Um as, as this, uh, as Blank told HBO, um, he he said that Slenderman can be seen as the Grim Reaper with a heart. You can ascribe any motive you want to him. So if you're a lonely kid, you can see him as a protective figure because you're coming up with that mythology. There's no reason to think that he's not that because so, everyone's making it up anyway. So you're telling me there is lots and lots of Slenderman smut out there? There is, yeah. Maybe for Patreon. Oh, please no. <laughs> but probably. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins. Convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. 
I get a phone call from my wife and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I could no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh -huh. You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done. And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. We're crying saucers. Oh my God, there goes another one. <laughs> This past week, Queen Elizabeth II of England celebrated her Platinum Jubilee. Oh, did she finally announce she's a lizard from Mars? <laughs> no, this is a huge event recognizing her 70 years at Gre as Great Britain's monarch, which is a record for the country and now puts her as third on the list of the longest reigning monarchs of all time. There I mean, uh, is she reigning over anything? But, but sure. I'm just saying, if she reigns longer than Catherine the Great, Catherine the Great, like, actually ruled a country. Well, it is what it is, Sean. She jubilated, okay? I'm jubilant. There were four days of partying, including musical performances, fireworks, an appearance by Paddington the Bear, and on Thursday, a Royal Air Force jet flyover dispersing long streams of red, white, and blue smoke. Was Hugh Grant there? Doesn't he usually hang around with Paddington? Well, he was hanging with the Queen, but tourists and British locals may not have been the only attendees of this grand celebration, Sean. Video of the Royal Air Force flyover appears to also capture a small, fast-moving object flying through the colored streams of smoke immediately after the jets pass, moving too quickly to credibly be identified as a drone. The object appears... The object seems to possibly be rounded and either white or silver in color and contains no other discernible features. The footage, including the unidentified flying object, quickly spread on social media with many speculating that it was an alien craft making an appearance over Buckingham Palace as some kind of interstellar salute to the Queen's epic seven decades upon the throne. Well, they're just ready to take her home. <laughs> More skeptical viewers have posited that it may have been a stationary object that appeared to be moving due to the parallax effect, but it still seems unclear as to what that object could have been. Because it's just in the sky. Right. And there's also the fact that the moving object was captured from several different angles, including on Sky and Pig, Big Jet TV. I don't know if that's a YouTube channel. Um, so it seems to eliminate the idea that it was a stationary object. Well, I know Sky is an English channel. So yeah, I don't know what Big Jet TV is, though. British. <laughs> this possible UFO sighting comes just weeks after NASA publicly confirmed it was joining the search for alien life following a huge increase in sightings of supposed UAPs, or Identified Aerial Phenomena. You mean UFOs. They mean UFOs. <laughs> we all mean UFOs. We all do. The idea that it could be a parallax effect making it appear to move would be strange because it seems to cross over all those, um, uh, 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 what do you call it? Streams of smoke? Yeah, so this plumes of, of smoke from the jet tails. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I think this is a UFO for sure, but I don't think it's a stationary object. I think it is something that's moving. It's so far away 
that I don't, I wouldn't discount that it could be a bird, although it's a pretty high quality camera. It's also an extremely fast bird because it's going seemingly faster than the jets. That's a good point too. It's also just a white dot. But it's solid. It's not an orb or, you know, a piece of dust. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's tiny too. Mm-hmm. It's weird. So I doubt we're going to have any more news on this, but we'll keep you posted if anything else comes out. Uh, it could be a baseball. That's Mark Grayson and his dad having that catch around the world. Uh, it would have to be. Watch Invincible or, or read it. It's great. That's it for this episode of Ain't It Scary with Sean and Carrie. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Ain't It Scary. And check out our website at ain'titscary.com. You can support the show by supporting our sponsors and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash scary. And please subscribe to the show and throw us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also now on Spotify. We'll be forever grateful. We certainly will. And special thanks to those already joining us over on Patreon. Our top tier patrons are Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot my promise from last week. Nate Curtis, Sean O'Donnell, Jared uh. Chamberlain. Maria Ferrante, Robin McCabe, <laughs> Comfy Mike, Alex Nakutis, Ryan Regan, and Christy oh, Atchison. Jesus. I love you all very much. <laughs> See you next Thursday. Show created by Sean and Carrie McCabe. Music by Kyle Ryan. You can find Kyle at his YouTube channel, Music is a Verb. Ain't It Scary has been brought to you by Killer Podcasts and is a production of Longboy Media. <laughs> 24 hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder, all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con.